Good morning. This is one of the best days of the year, Father's Day. Now, Mother's Day is a good day, but there's nothing quite like Father's Day. So fathers, today, you need to enjoy yourselves in extra measure. Back rub, watching sports, maybe playing a little golf, and eating food that's not good for you on this day. Um, so anyway, it's a family. Praise the Lord. I'm, I'm a father. And uh, later on in the next service, my family's going to be here. So uh, the daughter next to me is Elizabeth. She's at Dallas Baptist University. She's transferring to Baylor Nursing School. The one next to her, Hannah, she just graduated from Baylor University. How is that possible? Many of you that have been supporting us, praying for us, and loving us all these years, that's our little Hannah. She just graduated from Baylor. It's really crazy. And then next to her are Sarah and Hunter. They're still in Nigeria. And um, they're, they're grown quite a bit since this picture. Um, the problem is I've grown too. I don't know how that happened, but I've also been growing. And at my age, you're not really supposed to be growing anymore. And then my wife, Miriam. So um, if you're here between services, you will get to see them. And uh, we just want to say, how do, where do I point this thing? Oh, that button. Thank you. Thank you to the church. Thank you for your loving support of us. So um, this is one of the churches that sent us out, and that was 18 and a half years ago. So, I mean, just try and imagine that. How is that possible? 18 and a half years, and you have prayed for us, and you have given financially, and you send people over to us, and you sent Brent to us recently, and Brent is awesome. I want to tell you, Brent is so great in Nigeria. You know, Brent is a big guy, right? He's a burly fireman. I think you know this too. He's got a real heart for the lost, and he's like a gentle giant. But they love Brent, so he'll go, and he likes to do outreach, so he'll like go down in these market areas, and listen, they have not seen a Westerner in a long time. Some of them have never seen a Westerner before. And here comes Brent. They're like, wow. But then Brent is so friendly and he speaks so kindly. And the Nigerians love Brent. Brent has an amazing ministry. And then they ask, when will Brent come back? When will Brent come back? And uh, Brent got an amazing amount done in a short amount of time. Like, like he was just there two or three weeks, but it was like he was there two or three months. It was amazing how much he was able to accomplish. So we wanted to say thank you to you. And the passage that he read today from Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 to 28, if you have your Bibles, turn there to Matthew chapter 16. And there's one verse right in the middle of this passage that we're all familiar with. And that we've heard many times, but maybe we don't totally understand it. So let's turn there. Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 28. And as we go through the message, I'm going to look at this passage and look at all of the verses. But the one that I want to read now is from verse 24, right in the heart of that passage. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. 
And just before we do, and just before we dig in, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you're here in our midst. We thank you that you are a loving father. We thank you on this Father's Day that we have you, Lord. And we're amazed by you, and we're amazed by your word, and we're amazed by your love and sending your son to die for us in our place, Lord. We're so amazed by that, and I pray that today we would understand what does it mean to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow you, that many might be drawn to you, Lord. And we want to say that we love you now, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Take up your cross. So we've all heard this many, many times. We've read this passage before. What does it mean to take up our cross? Well, Jesus died on a literal cross. And so just recently we had Good Friday and we had Easter. And so God, our Heavenly Father, loves us so much that he would send his only son to come and to be a sacrifice for us. Jesus didn't do anything wrong. Jesus didn't deserve to be on the cross. We're the ones who do the wrong things. We're the ones who deserve to be on the cross. Jesus died in our place. That is really, really good news. And so because Jesus died on the cross, we don't have to die or be on that literal cross. But what does it mean for us to take up our cross? We don't have to go to the cross because Jesus went there for us. But the cross was a place of suffering and death. We do need to be willing to suffer for him and even be willing to give up our very lives. But, you know, what does that look like? Um, in a little while, I'm going to tell you a story about Nigeria. In Nigeria, people that stand for Jesus, many times they are killed. And probably we're not going to be killed, but uh, taking up our cross looks like some things for us. It's a willingness to first maybe be embarrassed, right? So, if we're going to stand up for Jesus, and if we're going to share the gospel, if we're willing to suffer for Jesus, it might cause embarrassment for us. We might be ridiculed, or we might be made fun of. You know, if we try and share a track or the gospel, or invite someone to church, it's possible that somebody might ridicule us. We might be rejected. We might possibly lose our reputation. Maybe we could lose a job or a promotion. If someone knows that you're standing for the Lord, maybe you wouldn't be promoted. Maybe you might lose a friend. Maybe a family member, or you might develop a strained relationship as you stand for the Lord. Possibly you might have to forego physical safety or give up your life. And usually to stand for Jesus here doesn't mean that you're going to lose your physical safety or your life. You know, Brent was just with us. He saw this. There are places around the world that if you stand for Jesus, if you're willing to suffer for Jesus, you can lose your life. Let me tell you a story, and, and probably you've heard some of this story from me. Maybe you've heard part of this story from Brent, but the story is ever-expanding. Let me, let me tell you the story and bring you up to date. This is a guy named Musa. So in Nigeria, that's Moses in the Hausa language where we are, where the Muslim people are. 
And so we did an outreach there about three years ago. We had an outreach team go up into the north and the northeast. You know, there's terrorists and there's things up there. And they were showing film and they were building relationships. And this guy, Musa, was interested. In his village, there were no Christians. But he heard the gospel. And he opened his heart and he became a believer. Musa was the assistant to the chief of the village. And the chief came and said, Musa, you can't be a Christian. You're my assistant. This doesn't look good. And Musa, you need to renounce Christ. We just can't have this. And Musa said, well, I'm not going to renounce Christ. He said, if you don't renounce Christ, you're going to lose your job. And he said, well, I don't want to lose my job, but I'm not going to renounce Christ. So he took away his job. Then he said, Musa, you can't be a Christian. And so we're going to take away your wife and your little son, David, and we're going to marry her off to somebody else if you don't renounce Christ. And he said, don't do that. I'm not going to renounce Christ, but please don't take away my family. And they said, Musa, this is your last chance. And he said, I won't renounce Christ. And so they took his wife and they took his little son and they married her off to another man in the village. He already had three wives. Now she's the fourth wife and his little son, David, is now taken into the home of this man. And, and this just broke Musa's heart. And Musa was weeping, and, and it was so hard for him. And he said, Lord, this is so hard. This is so difficult. Well, many months later, he was being discipled by this Christian that was um, some ways away. And so the Christian said, Musa, you know, it's time for you to get remarried. And so he found a Christian woman some, from uh, some other villages away. And so Musa uh, got remarried to the Christian woman. And one day, he decided he wanted to go see his little son, David. And so he went over to that house, and, and David saw him, and David came running up, Daddy, Daddy, and, and he took him into his arms. And then Musa got an idea. He said, I'm just going to take little David home. And so he turned around, and he just walked out, and he walked home with little David. And actually, the chief and others, they never said anything. They let him have little David. Well, about a year ago, the chief came to Musa and said, Musa, there's some guys that are talking about killing you. You need to renounce Christ, come back to Islam. Musa said, I'm not going to do that. In the middle of the night, about 12 a.m., the door came bursting in. Two guys came in. They said, Musa, this is your last day on earth. Musa got out of the bed, away from his wife. He said, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. One guy took a gun, shot Musa in the stomach. Musa felt like a scratch on his stomach. The one guy said to the other guy, what's wrong with your gun? Shoot him again. They shot him again in the stomach. Musa explains he felt like a scratch on his stomach. He felt behind his back, expecting to feel his guts, but he had no wound. Somehow God had protected him. The guy said, bring me the machete. He got the machete, and then he brought it down upon Musa to try and hit him in the head to kill him, chopped off his arm right here. Musa put up his hand this time, chopped off his thumb, started to hit him in the head. At this, little David, his little son, six years old, ran over, grabbed his father's legs, hugged him and said, don't kill my daddy. The one guy with the gun hit little David in the head. He fell onto the ground. And as Musa explains it, all of a sudden, 
the super strength of Jesus came upon him. He took this part that was a stub. He punched the guy in the chest. That guy collapsed to the ground. Musa ran out past him, ran outside past two other guys that were outside the door into the night. He heard these guys come out of the house. They said to the other guys, where is Musa? They said Musa never came out of the house. Somehow they didn't see him. As Musa ran out into the night, he heard some people. Now they had heard the gunshots. They started coming out. Those guys peeled off thinking that Musa's going to die. Musa ran to a neighbor's house. He jumped over the fence. He started banging on the door. The wife answered. She saw Musa without his arm and blood. She fainted right onto the ground. The guy and then Musa's brother, they put him in a car. And along the way, he found out that his family was safe. And they started driving him about an hour and a half to the nearest hospital. Musa got to the hospital, and people saw him. They were shocked. And, and don't judge Nigeria. This is just the way that it is. They will not work on you unless there's any money. So because they didn't have money, they couldn't work on Musa. Musa said, don't worry about it. I have the super strength of Jesus, and I feel no pain. Musa sat there in the hospital for 14 hours without any treatment, and the doctors would come, and the nurses would come, and the patients would come and say, how are you alive? And he said, it's because of Jesus, and I have the super strength of Jesus, and I feel no pain, and people were amazed. Finally, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, 16 hours after Musa was attacked, the doctors, uh, family members came with money, so the doctors started to try and repair uh, his hand. This is a kind of a gross picture, I'll be honest with you. You may not want to look at it, but that's actually uh, Musa's thumb and his arm. And uh, they tried to sew them on. Let me go to the next one a little more quickly. And so they were not able to save the thumb or the arm. It had been too long. Plus, in Nigeria, they don't have that medical capability. And so they sewed it up. And Musa recovered for three weeks in the hospital. And then he went back to the village. And people were shocked. They thought they were seeing a ghost. They had heard rumors that Musa was alive, but they thought there's no way he could survive that attack. And they were amazed. And they were interested in Jesus. So I asked myself, how could I have that kind of boldness? How could I have that kind of bravery like Musa? Well, let's look at the passage a little more closely. And let's read through and try and figure out from this passage how we can deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him like Musa did. So reading Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. So it says, from that time on, what time on? Well, right before this, Jesus says to Peter and the others, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Jesus gives us, I mean, Peter gives us the great confession, which is, you are the Christ, the Christos, the Messiah, 
the son of the living God. It's called the great confession. You know about that. So from that time on, from the time on that Peter has proclaimed that you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, now Jesus is talking about the fact that they're on their way to Jerusalem and he's going to die. And the disciples are confused. They're very, very confused because they have a different idea about Jesus. So Peter, and I, I love Peter, you know, I'm like Peter, I have a big mouth like Peter. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Listen, that's never a good idea. It's never a good idea to take Jesus aside and rebuke him. But Peter does this. Peter took him aside, he began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. You're the Messiah, the son of the living God. That's the great confession. You're the Messiah, the one who will come and fulfill all of these Old Testament passages. You are the king. You are the one who's going to overthrow the Romans. And I'm going to be right at your right side, and we're going to do it together. And the kingdom's coming. And you're King Jesus. And you see, Peter and the others were confused. A few stories before this in the feeding of the 5,000, the people wanted to come and make Jesus king. They were looking for King David, the Messiah type who would come and would free them from the rule of the Romans. And so it wasn't just Peter that was confused, but Peter's willing to rebuke the Lord. Jesus turned and said to Peter. Now, if Jesus is already talking to Peter, why does Jesus have to turn and speak to Peter? And if you read later on in your quiet times, you should do this. Read the parallel passages from Mark chapter 8 and Luke chapter 9, and you'll see the reason that Jesus turned as he's talking to Peter is, it says Jesus turned to the disciples, and he looks at the disciples, and then he rebukes Jesus. That's what it says in Mark chapter 8. We don't get that from this one. Jesus turns, and he looks at the disciples, and then he rebukes Peter. You see, the disciples were feeling the same way as Peter. A lot of times they weren't willing to say it. Peter was the one with the big mouth. So whether they sent him or he just did this on his own and they were watching, they felt the same way too. So Jesus turns, he turns and looks at the disciples, and then he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, and you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. So he turns, looks at the disciples, and then he rebukes Peter, get behind me, Satan. That's a serious thing to say to somebody. And that's a serious thing to have somebody say about you. Now, you know, sometimes we do that. We're like, Satan is our enemy. Satan tempted me to do that. You know, we have the world, the flesh, and the devil, our enemy. The truth is, is that Satan is an angel. He's a fallen angel. He's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere. He's in one place at a time. I'm pretty sure he doesn't care about me. I don't think Satan is ever the one actually tempting me. And probably... None of us. So we say Satan tempted and things like that. Probably it's not literally Satan. It's Satan who's controlling other demonic beings that are bug bugging us and tempting us, right? But when he says, get behind me, Satan, do you think Satan was literally there when Jesus was there? 
I think so. There was no more strategic place than to be where Jesus was. And so most likely that, in fact, is where Satan was right at that time. And if you remember, when Satan tempted Jesus, he said, you're a king. I'll give you all these kingdoms if you'll just bow down and worship me. Remember Satan said that to Jesus? And now through Peter, he's saying, hey, don't die. Don't die. You're a king. You're a king. Somehow, Satan got it at some point that the Messiah was going to suffer and die before being king. Somehow he figured it out. And so now, hey, Jesus, I'll give you all the kingdoms. You're a king. Don't die. You're a king. He's speaking through Peter. And then this is what Jesus says to Peter. Peter, you don't have in mind the things of God but you have in mind the things of men or the world. And this is really like the key. What is in our mind? Do we have in mind the things of God? Do we have in mind his word and an understanding of that? Or do we have in mind the things of men and the world? Peter had the wrong thing in his mind. He didn't understand the scriptures. He didn't understand what Jesus was saying. He wanted to be there in the kingdom, number one, next to Jesus. We're going to make this happen. He had the wrong thing in mind, not the things of God, and that led to incorrect actions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, and this is the key verse again, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me. So actually, the other passage says the disciples and the whole crowd. So Jesus now turns to the whole crowd and he gives this verse. And so it's like he's speaking it to all of us. And this is really the key here of this whole passage. Deny self versus focus on self. In your life, do you often deny yourself Deny the pleasures of the flesh, deny the world, deny Satan a foothold, or do you focus on self? A lot of times we're bent on focusing on self. We're bent on being selfish. Instead of denying ourselves, we like to focus on ourselves. Instead of taking up the cross, Sometimes we want to run from the cross, right? To take up our cross, to be willing to suffer with the Lord, to be willing to be embarrassed and lose our reputation and, and possibly to lose a friend or a family member or even bodily harm. A lot of times we want to run from that. Instead of following Jesus, a lot of times we follow others. And there's a lot of voices out there to follow. You know, I've just been back in the U.S. a short time. There's so much television and movies and internet, it's like overwhelming. It's just constant. I don't know about you, but my kids, they've got electronics going all the time. And I've started listening, you know, like sometimes I'm sitting over there reading my Bible. And it's not that I'm Joe spiritual, but I'm preparing for my message. And they're watching something. And all of a sudden I start hearing what it's talking about. There is a message coming from those movies and from that internet stuff. And, and it's, it's a voice that's calling people. And you know, these celebrities, they look so good on the outside, and they're kind of calling people 
to follow a certain lifestyle. Did you know that the celebrities are like the saddest people on earth? Seriously. They're like, ooh, looking good and smiling. They're, they're having marriage troubles, kid trouble, drug troubles. They're not happy people. But they have this kind of you know, voice and this thing that's so popular. Follow this. Follow this. And so instead of following Jesus, there's all kinds of other voices that tempt us to follow. So let's look at Musa versus Peter. Musa denied himself. Peter was focusing on himself. Lord, you'll never die. That's not going to happen. I'm going to be there with you. We're the guys that are going to rule and reign with you in the kingdom. It's going to be awesome. Musa denies himself. Peter is focusing on himself. Musa's willing to take up his cross, to suffer with Jesus. Peter literally runs from the cross. You remember that? Peter went to a room and locked the door, right? And he was denying the Lord during that time. The only one who's there is John and the women. I mean, the women are amazing in this story. The women are heroes in this story. And John's the only guy there. And Peter's nowhere around there. Peter ran from the cross. But Musa didn't run from the cross. Musa was following Jesus, and Peter was following others. He was following himself. He's following the other disciples. They end up in a room with a locked door. And so, you know, if we ask ourselves... If we give ourselves a test, how do we do? Where do we fall into this? Probably if you're like me, sometimes you're like Musa, but sometimes you're like Peter. And what we want to do is we want to be more like Musa and less by Peter. We want to be denying ourselves, denying the world, denying the flesh, denying all those different things. We want to be taking up our cross and following Jesus. So more denying ourselves instead of focusing ourselves, selfishness, indulging the flesh, taking up our cross instead of running from it, not wanting to suffer with Jesus, following Jesus instead of following those other voices, okay? So let's do this together. We're just going to do this. Everybody get your hands out. Get them ready. Get your hands out. All right. So we're going to deny ourselves, and when we deny ourselves, we're going to push our hands out. Like, don't hit this person in front of you, but get close, okay? So here we go. So we're going to deny ourselves. We're going to take up our cross. Now, sometimes that's a little heavy, but guess what? Jesus is with us, right? He knows he can suffer with us, right? So we're going to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and then follow him, point up. Try it again. Deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. That's what we're going to work on, so you can remember that. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow him, okay? How do we do it? It is a battle for the mind. It's a battle for the mind. Peter did not have his mind on the things of God. He had his mind on the things of men or the world. He wanted to be number one in the kingdom with Jesus. So it starts with the mind. What do we put in the mind? Do we have God in our minds? Do we have scripture in our minds? Are we listening to Christian music? 
What are we filling our minds with? Now, a lot of times we have to work and school and do other things, so we have other things in our minds, but we need a lot more of God in our minds than men and the world. And all those electronics and the movies and the things that I've been bombarded with just in this last week, you're being bombarded with all the time too. So we need to say no to some of that stuff, no. And we need to fill our minds with God, with his word, with the things that other Christians say that encourage us, with Christian music and things like that. Then we'll understand our attitudes will be right and our actions will be right and we'll be able to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. Verse 25, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Unfortunately, there were people there at that time when Jesus was speaking that were not believers in Jesus. There were people there that he was speaking to that did not go to heaven. There were people there who, because they were looking at their lives possibly, because they were not denying themselves, they were not taking up their cross, and they were not uh, following the Lord, it was because in their hearts they did not know the Lord. And so I would just say, in, in a group this large, you'd have to ask yourself when you take that test, like Musa or Peter, are you denying yourself? Are you taking up the cross? Are you following Jesus? A lot of times you might be back and forth, but if you're hardly ever denying yourself, if you're not taking up your cross and you're not following Jesus, maybe you don't know Jesus. And so what I would say is today is the day of salvation. We're going to look at a little clip of what Jesus did for us on the literal cross. And if you know Jesus, then see and recognize his love for you and fall more in love with Jesus. And fall more in love with him and gain more strength as your mind is focused on him to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. But if you don't know Jesus or if you're not sure, open your heart to Jesus now. Receive him into your life. Realize what he did for you on the cross. We're the ones who do bad things. We're the ones who deserve to die on the cross, not Jesus. He died in our place. Open your heart to him now. Savior, I come, quiet my soul, remember, redemption's hell, where your blood was spilled, for my
watch what the Lord went through for us. He loves us so much. And Peter was confused, and so were so many others. They saw Jesus as the king. They didn't understand that Jesus needed to come first as the lamb who would take away the sin of the world. But Jesus is a king, and Jesus will return, and Jesus will reward Verse 27, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And then right after that was the Mount of Transfiguration where they got a little glimpse of 
the coming of the king. So Peter was confused. He didn't understand about the Lamb of God, and others didn't. He didn't understand about this 2,000-year gap. But Jesus will return. And, and truthfully, the signs of the times, it looks like Jesus could return at any time. And Jesus is an amazing king. And Jesus is powerful. And if you don't know Jesus, and if you're not sure, open your heart to Jesus. Let me tell you a little bit more about what has happened with Musa. When Musa came back into the village, they thought they were seeing a ghost. And Musa said, the people who did this to me, they meant it for evil. God meant it for good. And I forgive them. And although he didn't have the super strength of Jesus anymore upon him, he still feels the Lord. For 16 hours, he had the super strength of Jesus upon him. And so he started to tell them about this Jesus. And of course, being Muslims, nobody wanted to say that they wanted to believe. And then within a few days, four men came to him privately and they said, Musa, tell us about Jesus. And then some more adults came and then something amazing happened. Oh, this is a picture of little David. This is little David. What a great picture on Father's Day. Little David is the one at six years old who went to his father's rescue. And so we had a little ceremony for David. We presented him with a little medal of valor. Said he was like King David for the way that he was willing to stand up for his father. He's so proud of that. He wears that medal all over the place. And so Musa and his David and, and family, as they're sharing Jesus, something amazing happened. They started to bring their children to Musa. And they said, Musa, we want our children to be Christians. And they started bringing dozens and dozens of children. Obviously, Musa couldn't take care of that many children, so we've been working with local pastor and others outreach to try and reach those children. And then, incredibly, people started coming to Musa, and more and more and more, and to date, more than 100 adults have put their faith in Jesus in that place. And then something incredible happened. The chief, he said, Musa, I want to know about Jesus. And then the chief came to know the Lord. And he said, Musa, I'm so sorry for the way that we treated you. And then something incredible happened. Um, just a little while ago, the chief called our outreach team and said, I need to meet with you. I need to see you. And so they came into this place, into this room, and there were sitting seven other Muslim chiefs that all wanted to know about Jesus. And you see, when you're willing to deny yourself and to take up your cross and to follow Jesus, it's powerful. It's powerful to those around you. You don't have to be perfect, and it looks a little different than it does with Musa. But spend time with the Lord, God in your mind, his word, scriptures, Christian music, thinking about him. That'll help to give you the strength to deny yourself, to take up your cross, and to follow him. That's what I want for my life. How about you?